Hey gang, Rickley James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleyjames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full, uncut, digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleyjames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Welcome back to Voices in My Head. This is Rick Lee James, your host on this crazy adventure that we are going to call a podcast. It's been great to be with you all these weeks, and here we go again. My guest today is Ben DeBono from the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. Ben is always insightful, always informative, always humorous, and I recommend to everyone at the outset today, if you've not had a chance to listen to the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast, you should go over and give that a listen. Not right now, because I want you to listen to my show but add it to your podcast list. Put it in the queue so you can listen to it later on. It's really a great show. I think we're going to be doing another joint episode coming up in the near future about Superman. And that's exciting news because the Man of Steel movie comes out very shortly. Today, the topic is a controversial one. And maybe next week's episode is going to be a little bit more controversial because this is going to be a two-parter. Uh, but the topic is, what would Jesus kill? And we start with plants, we go into animals, reptiles, uh, we talk about humans eventually, and next week is going to be a lot more talking about people, but asking the question, what would Jesus kill? Would Jesus kill anything? Do you have an image of your mind, in your mind, of a Jesus that would kill anything at all? Uh, are you one of those people that thinks he wouldn't even step on a bug? Are you one of those people that thinks that he didn't even uh, participate in the required ritual sacrifices back in the day when he was walking the earth as a human? Uh, it's an interesting conversation. Ben and I are going to have it today, and because the podcast went so long, uh, we're just going to get right into it today. I did ask a question of the week, but I only got a couple of responses. Actually, I had two questions of the week. One was, when do you listen to the podcast? Uh, had a couple people write in. Mostly they listen at work or in the car, uh, but we didn't really have very many responses on that. So I asked a second question of the week, which is, what would Jesus kill? had zero responses whatsoever. And you'll see that this is a complicated and tricky question that takes a little bit of, uh, of grace and uh, a teachable spirit and some humility along the way. And uh, so I appreciated getting to talk just a few moments ago with my friend Ben DeBono of the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. Uh, he's a much more learned person than I, so uh, maybe you should listen more to him than me. I don't know. He has two master's degrees. I have zero. Uh, but I'm trying to convince him to be a pacifist, and he's trying to convince me to become a Catholic, and uh, that might be a good trade. Maybe we could maybe we could work that out. We'll see. But uh, I hope you enjoy today's episode. What would Jesus kill? Part one. Well, 
Well, my guest today on Voices in My Head is Ben DeBono. Ben is the co-host at the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. He's also the co-creator of the podcast, which has uh, become very, very successful. I guess if you would call successful, um, I, I don't know, how how do you judge a successful podcast? you have lots of listeners, Ben? Is that how it works? And, and... Yeah, I mean, for me, some of it's listeners. Um for me, though, the biggest judge of success is do we get people thinking and do we get people talking? And so whether it's people writing in, agreeing with us, or writing in to tell us how wrong we are, uh, <laughs> I'm happy with either response as long as it gets people genuinely thinking about whatever we're talking about. So that that's my metric of success is uh, do we start a good conversation? Exactly. Well, that's maybe the first time I've ever mm-hmm. ended up, inter- interrupted my own uh, introduction of a guest uh, to ask a question, but uh, I, I did. But anyway, my guest today is Ben DeBono. Uh, his podcast is an incredibly good one, uh, the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. Go look it up on iTunes or wherever podcasts are at, and uh, I believe the website is the com. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Well, those of you who have listened for a while to the show, Ben is no stranger to you. This is his uh, his second time on the show, I believe, but third um, third podcast because the last time he was on, we had to break the podcast into two shows. So technically, I guess we could say this is your fourth time on the show, but uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, we had some really good feedback and some really great conversation the last time you were here, not only between the two of us, but listeners had written in that we're learning all kinds of new things about the Catholic Church because you had recently converted to Catholicism. And uh, so I, I just I appreciate having you back today. I always enjoy our conversation. I always enjoy listening to your podcast, and I just think you have a, a really unique perspective. And I always feel like I learn something whenever I listen to you. Well, thanks, Rick. And it's great to be on your show. And um, yeah, I think this we did the Dark Night episode last summer. Yes, we did. Part Catholics are up uh, number four, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. always a, a privilege and a pleasure to be invited back onto your podcast. So I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, today is uh, a, an interesting topic to me anyway. I'm not sure people thought I was serious last week, but on Facebook, I just put up a, a simple question. Um, and it was just, what? Uh, the question was, do you think Jesus ever killed a bug? And the yes. responses the responses I got from that, most people thought it was just kind of a joke and didn't take it real seriously. And uh, I don't want to get into reading all the uh, responses right now, but it was actually kind of a serious question because I was hoping to lead up to a podcast about this topic. Um, because in my own mind, I've been asking a lot of questions uh, for many years, but especially lately I've been asking, um, what does it mean? Uh, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, how is that different than, say, a citizen of the world, say, a citizen of an empire, or um, you know, what does that mean uh, as far as how we live? What does it mean politically? And and when I say politically, I don't mean Republican Democrat. I mean in the true sense of the word poli- politics, in that it's the way that we live together, and uh, and Christianity in itself has its own politic in that, and uh, so right. the way that that we live out the gospel. Um, it has to look different than the way that we live out the American dream or the way that someone in Japan would live it for their government or the way that um, really any of the earthly kings might live it out. So that simple question about, um, you know, did Jesus ever kill a bug um, had to do a lot with, you know, 
Jesus's view on killing and what that would mean. And uh, to no to no surprise of mine, I asked that question as a question of the week and got zero responses, uh, which is <laughs> which is what would Jesus kill? <laughs> and uh, and it's interesting. We're going to talk about a few of those things today um, because killing is not something that really most of us think about when we think of Jesus. Um, but I think I can I can think of at least a couple cases in the Gospels in which he did. And uh, and I don't mean it like being murderous, but uh, it, it should be an interesting conversation to say the least. So let's let's get started with it. What do you say? Sounds good to me. All right. Um. Well, I wanted to start out this way. I didn't want to go right into bugs, but I thought I'd kind of work my way up. I guess we could call the food chain. I, I don't know if this is the proper perspective, <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to think, first of all, starting with plants, move into bugs, then animals, mammals, reptiles, and then ultimately, um, you know, we, that'll lead into sacrifices and things, but ultimately I want to talk about humans, um, which seems to be uh something that uh, there's more debate about than anything else you know Jesus's view on that so let's start first of all Ben and I'm just going to ask the question um would Jesus kill a plant what do you think you know it's interesting and I, and I like the way that you have this uh topic arranged for us because as I was thinking about my own ethic in terms of all these different types of life we're going to talk about. I, I think that your your instincts are right to kind of arrange them hierarchically uh, in the sense that I think when we come to plant life, uh, we would have to say not only would Jesus kill a plant, but there's something within creation where we could almost say that the death of vegetation, the death of plant life could almost be considered a good or part of the natural order that change in the seasons, change, you know, from growth to harvest is all part of God's plan for creation and, and that we can see part of the order of the universe uh, and the order of design within that in a way that's very powerful and I think tells us something about God even. So um, certainly a far cry from where we'll probably line, uh, wind up when it comes to talking about human death, which... You know, spoiler alert, the polar opposite of that, but yeah. uh, I think that there is something uh, where not only would Jesus kill a plant, but uh, it's probably something very beautiful and uh, profound in that process if you stop and think about it. Yeah, and and when I say killing too, you know, when we talk about obviously we, we would have to in some way um, kill a plant in the fact that we need plants to live on, you know, I mean even animals, you have to eat something. Um, as far as we know, plants aren't crying out in pain, and uh, and you know most of us aren't like uh, poison ivy, you know Batman's uh, nymphs right. or whatever. Right. She she's like, oh no, they're killing plants, and that was like her kind of motivation as a villain is she was part plant, so she was out to uh, you know inflict her wrath upon humanity for killing plants. Um, but at the same time, I wonder how she survives. Really. <laughs> I guess she was supposed to be like a vegetarian too. I think. So. I know. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> she. She's kind of guilty of uh, cannibalism. I guess. I don't know. I suppose so. <laughs> but when you think about it, you know, um, with food, obviously there's there's plants there that have a purpose. I think there's a very responsible way, even a Christian way, uh, as you were saying before of going about it. Uh, at the same token, I think we have to be very uh, mindful of the fact that. You know, right from the start in the Bible, um, we are taught that humans have this place of caring 
for nature too and caring um for plants and things and uh when we think about you know whether it is you know entire forests that seem to be raped at times for the sake of uh, making paper or things like that and then oftentimes they're not replanted um i was just thinking well i think I think Christ's attitude, because, you know, God created us this way, as you had already talked about, we have to be willing to um, be a part of making sure that even if we are eating these and uh, and killing them, we're not just killing them for the sake of killing them. You know, we're not just stabbing trees and chopping them over for the sake of uh, simply demolishing them with, without any thought of um, how we're going to help, you know, the life cycle continue, so to speak. Um I don't know if that makes any sense in, in how I'm phrasing it exactly, uh, but there is a difference, I think, between, like, you know, eating food and, have you know, animals eating food from plants and then just absolutely destroying things for the sake of destroying them, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I, and I think it, uh, to me, as I'm thinking through this while you're talking, what goes through my mind is uh, at what point do we step beyond what is the good order of creation and our role in that. And obviously, as you said, uh, we've been given this task to care for creation, to manage it, and at times that means cutting down trees, it means, you know, harvesting plants, whatever. Uh, but certainly we can abuse that privilege in a way that goes far, far beyond what God intends for us in terms of the care of the earth. And uh, so I, I think for me, maybe it's still a little bit vague, but a good starting point uh, for determining what's right and wrong might be to ask, are we operating within what God intends the natural order to be, or are we taking that natural order and turning it into something chaotic and destructive? Hmm. Very interesting. Now, saying that, uh, turning into something chaotic and destructive, I, I couldn't help but look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 11 uh, when Jesus curses a fig tree because it doesn't have yes. any fruit on it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he, you know, basically, he he basically says, curse you and die, basically, because you're you're not bearing fruit. And he comes by later and, and the, the tree is shriveled up and gone. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And it's dead. And uh, I, you know, it's kind of funny taking that out of context, which we tend to do a lot of times with scripture, especially those of us in the evangelical tradition. Um, when we when we look at that, we could say, well, Jesus, you know, there's certain plants he hates, or you know, <laughs> and right. the, the, the right. fact is, we missed the point. <laughs> yeah, the fact is, the point of that story is about bearing fruit, you know, and and uh, and what that means. So, so I don't think Jesus ever. Uh, there's certain people. People that maybe are you know big big business tycoons that would say, well, Jesus cursed plants, so we can kill as many as we want and and live as irresponsibly <laughs> as we want, and that would be a good example of using the Bible wrongly, you know, and and taking it out of context. But it was kind of a funny one. I couldn't help kind of looking at as I was thinking about that question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you might almost say they missed the forest for the trees there, or, or <laughs> some sort of plant metaphor is going right. to get in there for their hermeneutical error. Either that or Jesus just really didn't like figs. That's all yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the two. Man, I hate figs. Oh, so, um, well, let's go to the, the next one. We're kind of working our way up what we would, I guess, call the food chain. Um, let, let's think a little bit about – this was the one that really I was just pondering on the other day because we're in the season of spring. And it seems like these little bugs are getting into our house, and you know I'll find them in my car uh, from time to time. Um, and, and I, 
I, I was just thinking about the other day because I was thinking as I was killing a bug, I thought, huh, you think Jesus ever had any like second thoughts about this? If we're talking about um, Jesus being one with the Father, being the Creator, um, being that He has created this life, uh, you know, often my wife will will try to grab a bug and and take it outside and let it go. You know, at times. And uh, I, it used to be that I wouldn't even give a thought to killing a bug uh, because, well, they're just bugs. It doesn't matter. And, and even in, uh, you know, we, we have to make some comic references to the Avengers movie. And uh, when Loki says something about um, something about an ant in a shoe, I can't remember what he says um, when he's talking about being a god. Uh, do you remember yeah. that line when he's talking to Nick Fury and, and uh, he says, should, should the – should the ant apologize to the shoe that steps on, or something like that? I'm, I'm totally, yeah. totally missing the line, um, but I kind of was thinking about that, and so I was thinking, do you think Jesus ever killed bugs? <laughs> so what are what are your thoughts on that? I don't I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to this. I'm just kind of curious to have the conversation. Well, my flippant response would be, you know, I live here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and uh, my flippant response would be that if Jesus ever visited Minnesota during the summer, you would have bet he'd be investing in those bug zappers. <laughs> you know, our, our state bird is jokingly said to be the mosquito. I mean, we just get covered with them up here. Oh. Um, so, yeah, bugs are unfortunately a major part of life here uh, in, in the upper Midwest. Um, but uh, answering it more, you know, less flippantly, more uh, thoughtfully, I, I think that it is something where is it morally wrong to kill bugs? Uh, I would, you know, say no to that. Um, I, I don't think that it's a moral problem. However, I think it goes to still, you know, what are we saying? What's the purpose behind it? Sure. Um, in other words, I think that there's a difference between pest control and pulling the legs off a spider, you exactly. know, for instance, in order to torture it. Well, I'm sure that all of us uh, who were young boys at one point never, ever, ever did something like that, of course. <laughs> uh, or, you know, the old classic of uh, grab the magnifying glass and set the bug on fire. You know, right. I think that there's, even though we're probably all guilty of that at one point or another, and it's not nearly as serious as, say, you know, torturing your dog or whatever, I still think that there is an ethic there that um, we should try and uh, do things humanely, even for the least among animal life. We should, um, if we're going to kill, we should have a purpose behind it, uh, even for something like bugs. And, um, you know, I think that the higher up the food chain you get, the more the higher the standard is is for uh, what that purpose would be. In other words, um, I would see something like pest control as a valid purpose for killing bugs. Uh, something like pest control is not a valid purpose for killing that annoying neighbor dog who wakes you up at four in the morning <laughs> every day yipping or whatever. Right. Uh, and, and that's that's exactly right. It's kind of funny when you when you were just mentioning about the legs of the spider. Um, you know, there's times that I've actually tried to, you know, like daddy long legs or whatever, try to pick those things up and move them. And, and even just doing that, sometimes their legs fall off. 
and and it's like and it's like by, by the time I get them moved to where I'm trying to save them and protect them, they have about one leg left, and then I'm sure they're, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, "Thanks, pal, I appreciate the help." You know, you just should have just squished me. I would have been happier. You know? Yeah, exactly. But it is an interesting thing because I'm trying to think in new ways about how to be consistent when I think about life, and I definitely agree with you. I I don't know how you would you know go about this from a biblical uh, standpoint I'm not sure there's a lot that has to do with bugs or that even enters the conversation very much um but I do think there's a difference in what you said in like pest control versus someone who is just you know torturing a fly or whatever or, you know let's just pull the wings off and leave them or whatever and I think there's even something maybe even in our minds that needs to be redeemed if we're if we're even thinking that that's a fun option or something you know i've I've encountered people before that um it seems like they take great joy um adults included not not just in swatting a bug but almost like we're gonna get it and and you know kill it even I've been at like church camps and things and seen adults that have you know watch what I'm gonna do this bug or whatever and uh, right. and I, I think that should make us kind of stop and reevaluate you know just like um I know it's just a bug, but at the same time. Um, it is a creation, and we need to kind of think about what God would have us do, you know, even as stewards of creation and things like that. There is a way that we um, are supposed to live together in the way that we aren't, and that's a way that's very disrespectful to life. So, anyway. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree, you know, and um, I think it's become a recurring theme, but it even goes back to what's the natural order of creation, and we conforming to that uh and i think that you know if god gives humanity dominion over nature there is a certain amount of uh pest control if you will that comes into that whether in our modern sense or even you know in uh a more ancient sense or in a third world sense where it becomes an issue of preserving human life where you right. have mosquitoes that carry horrible diseases and all that exactly. uh, but once we step out beyond that we step out of the good ordered part of creation, the way God intended it to be. If we become, you know, at risk of sounding overly dramatic, aligned with the forces of chaos in the world that uh, just come against the created order, I, I, I think then whether we're talking plants, bugs, humans, whatever, um, we are in very, very problematic, to say the least, ethical areas. Sure. Well, let's move on from bugs and talk about, uh, as we're moving up, like animals, mammals, reptiles, um, things like that. I was, I've always, I've joked a lot with, with uh, people, and especially my pastor, even last week I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I think uh, there's enough precedent in Scripture that it's okay that we don't like snakes and can kill them, you know. <laughs> you know? It's, it seems like the, it seems like snakes are always getting the short end of the stick in the Bible, whether it is they're being compared to the, you know, the snake in the garden or uh, just, you know, different places where, you know, we'll stomp on the serpent's head or whatever, things like that. Right. This, um, this uh, poor, innocent animal gets associated with, the face of all evil with it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> scriptural narrative. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like, you know what, I wonder if I should feel bad for snakes, but then the other part of it is I look at them and they do make my skin crawl, you know. <laughs> it's kind yes, of, yes. But it does, you know, harkens back to this question of, um, you know, what what would Jesus kill in the in the animal kingdom? And, and that there, I believe, is a 
a godly way to do it in a way that is absolutely, like you said, it returns us to chaos, and it's a way that's disrespectful to life and could actually draw us away from the Creator um, in the way that we're doing things. And uh, and I, I have a, a little bit of a unique perspective maybe to speak to this one. Um, for the last year, actually just a little over a year now, um, my wife and I have been vegetarians. We haven't eaten meat at all, and, and there's there's a couple reasons behind that. One, um, I I think from a health level, um, we were just finding that I think it's healthier for us in a lot of ways to just avoid it. Um, I was having a lot of headaches that I think were associated maybe to some of the things that were put into a lot of meat we were eating. Um, but the other side of it that I came to is is I, I'm actually not like a vegetarian that would necessarily be against uh, eating meat or against other people eating meat. A lot of my stance on it has come from uh, thinking about the way that um, the animals are currently being abused in the meat industry. And uh, I, as a Christian, I and, and again, I'm not saying this is something everybody has to do, but as a Christian, I was just starting to think uh, about how disconnected I was um, from from the food that I ate and how disconnected I was, not even realizing that uh, you know, a lot of these animals are being so terribly mistreated in uh, in just these mass factories. They never see the light of day. Um, they, some of them are almost uh, – I compare it to, like, uh, images we've seen of, like, people being brought over on slave ships from Africa to America uh, back when slavery was unfortunately legal. And the way that they're chained together and bound and can't move and mistreated – um, and, and I've looked at a lot of pictures like that and, and some of the, the ways the animals have been uh, mistreated. That's a completely different thing to me than Jesus in Luke 24 broiling fish and giving it to his disciples. You know, <laughs> it's a, right, a completely right. different thing. And so um, I just wanted to say, you know, from the outset, my choice to not eat meat comes from a variety of things. But I simply – I do believe there is a godly way to go about it, a way that respects life, a way that actually, as we said about plants before, um, actually enables life to continue. It's sort of this cycle, and then there's a way that is an absolute um, mockery of the created order that God has established for us. So um, anyway, I've, I've talked enough uh, at least initially about that. Give me, give me some thoughts you have about um, you know – would Jesus kill an animal? Right. No, I completely agree with you. I, I, not in the sense where I'm vegetarian. I, I'm still uh, probably carnivorous. Um, but in the sense where I think that whatever choice you make in that direction, I, I think that there is an ethical duty to promote justice, even for, for the way animals are treated. Uh, we should not be okay with animals being treated cruelly simply for the sake of having, you know, cheap chicken or cheap beef or whatever the case may be. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily even mean that everything has to be free range. I mean, I know that's the the big thing these days, but I think that there's ethical ways. Yeah, I've known people who uh, have had cattle or whatever, and there's ethical ways to do it that treats them well and treats them dignified and uh, helps them to, you know, not just be treated like another product, but give them the respect that a, an animal deserves. So I, I, I don't want to say that there's only one way to do it or whatever, but I, I think that as we learn more about that, as we learn uh, what's the best way to treat 
animals who are going to be food products for us or any other type of product that would be animal-made. Uh, how do we do that with respect? How do we continue to promote respect within the industry? You know, thinking through what's the Christian's responsibility to research products that they buy um, in terms of how the animals are treated. And wherever we land on that, I, I think that the point we would both agree on would be that it's an issue that deserves thought. And the problem right now is that so many of us, myself included at many times, don't give it any thought. Uh, and that's a problem. Hmm. You know, it's whatever we, wherever we land on what our individual responsibility is to do something about it, simply turning a blind eye, uh, living in ignorance, pretending it doesn't exist, pretending it's not a big deal, uh, is not an acceptable option for a Christian. Sure. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with that. Um, it, it's interesting because I I think there's several places in Scripture where we would see Jesus was not vegetarian, you know. And as a matter of fact, I think that um, in, in poorer cultures, I don't even think that's an option. You know, I don't think, right. you know, when you think about like um, even in the Great Depression era, um, one of the reasons that my grandma – I, I think to this day doesn't really like fruits and vegetables very much is because she was raised in that depression era where it was like we just had cans of meat, you know, it was like it was yep. the meat products and whatever we could kill and things like that. We didn't have vegetables to eat. We didn't have fruit to eat. We didn't have things like that. And so um, it's interesting to me. I, I think a lot of times um, vegetarian or, or vegan activist groups can take this very high you know we're better than you model but sometimes um especially in in places where there's extreme poverty it's just not an option and uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with um with eating meat if it's done appropriately and in respect to the animals um I'm going to reference a film that I don't think I don't think you're a very big fan of this film and I but I do think there's a couple interesting parts in the movie the movie Avatar and, uh, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm not as much a hater as some people out there. Yeah. Uh, I saw it once, don't really have any burning desire to watch it again, but yeah, it's an yeah. okay movie. It, it was an all right film. It was kind of pretty in 3D. And, uh, but, right. But one thing I, I took from it, I don't find myself thinking about it a whole lot, but there was an interesting point in that film uh, where they were on a hunt, and you know, part of it, if you remember the, the natives who were there, um, I don't even know how we describe them exactly. They probably are supposed to be a representative of the Native Americans. Um, whenever you know the the white man came in and started invading them or whatever, but they had a way of of hunting. Um, that whenever they would kill the animal, there was a way that they would show respect to them. There was a way that they would end their suffering quickly. And it was – I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but it always stood out to me as like, huh, that's an interesting way of thinking about this, that by your life, you're allowing others to live, you know, and things like that. And I, I wish I could remember the exact quote, um, but I've I've thought about that often about wouldn't that be an interesting um, way as a believer for just, just to become more connected to the food that we eat? Um, another reason that I – uh, at least for the time, had become have become a vegetarian. Is I realize I'm the world's biggest hypocrite, and I I don't think I myself would be willing to kill the animal, and I don't think I myself, as much as I used to eat so much meat, I don't think I myself would want to be the one out doing the task 
and uh, and it's as a personal way I started thinking, you know, if I'm not willing to do it, I wonder if I should be willing to let someone else do it for me, you know. And I, I don't know, just some thoughts that were coming uh, to my mind out of that. But you, it sounded like you had a you were trying to chime in, and I was blocking you there. <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, I was I was making agreeable noises. So oh. <laughs> um, no, no, I completely agree with you though. I think that that's a fascinating way of uh, thinking about it. In terms of what, if you're not willing to do it yourself, should you force that burden onto somebody else? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's a maybe that becomes a prevalent topic even as we get into other issues uh, you know, later, like uh, war, capital punishment, all that sure. good stuff. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about with this is that you know we talked you talked about how vegetarians at times can have a sort of smug superiority in terms of what they need. I think even meat eaters can do that with other cultures uh, in terms of, you know, Asian cultures that would eat dog or whatever, where we tend to think, you know, we're our, our ethic of how we treat animals is better than them because we don't eat dogs. And I think it's important to realize that even stuff like that is cultural. Sure. Uh, and to have generosity for the choices that other people make due to their circumstances, due to their culture, um, and recognize that it's really more about promoting a consistent ethic of humane treatment, of, uh, as you were saying, a willingness to enter into the process to be connected to what you eat, rather than having a smugness based on our cultural position, whether that's having the resources to eat vegetarian, to eat organic, to you know, more based on our cultural menu, what have you. I think it's just important to, uh, as you were saying, kind of let go of some of that and really think deeper about this in terms of what's the consistent ethic. Sure. Uh, I I just wanted to share maybe one more thing, and I did want to talk about sacrifices for a moment too, which was would have been something that was happening during Jesus' lifetime. Um, but this was something I found on a uh, a Christian vegetarian website, and I I really don't frequent those sites or anything. Um, uh, but it was called the JesusRadicals dot com. Why Jesus ate fish, and uh, they pointed out a couple interesting things just from their perspective. It said to the option to avoid meat is sometimes available only to a privileged few. Uh, for example, the impoverished and starving child hardly has the option to refuse any meal that is provided. The native the natives of extreme elevations or frozen tundra have haven't had the luxury of choosing a vegetarian diet. And as any honest vegan will tell you, even we are not without blood on our hands. The vegan philosophy is not about an impossible task of eliminating any and all animal suffering in our lives. It is about minimizing it. Animals suffer and die in the process of farming and shipping vegetables. Animals suffer and die in the process of mining the metals and harvesting the lumber that is used to make the household objects that people use every day. Even people suffer and die in the process of securing the petroleum that is used to make plastic, used to build the computer you're looking at right now. There's no one who has lived without causing harm to another living creature, whether directly or indirectly. No one, not even Christ. So in that simple act of eating a piece of broiled fish that I referred to earlier, Christ placed himself in solidarity with the poor of the world. If offered, you know, so, and they go on to say some different things, but... Um, and then they reference the Apostle Paul, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. So I thought that was an interesting way to look at it from a, a Christian vegan website that I found. Um, and uh, I, just just a good a good interesting perspective maybe to help us think a little further about those things. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, and uh, appreciate the intellectual honesty that's displayed there as well. I think it's so easy, especially with a position that is controversial and can come under a lot of flack, like being vegetarian, being vegan, to kind of just get into your corner and, and become very defensive about the position, but I appreciate the intellectual honesty that uh, sure. authors chosen to display there. Well, let's talk a little bit while we're while we're on the subject of sacrifices, um, and I kind of wanted this to be a segue because um, there there were times in history where not only animals but humans were sacrificed, <laughs> and right. uh, and obviously Jesus, I, I never had any part in the human sacrifices, but they were a reality of uh, of cultures in that area. Uh, we've no reason to think that Jesus didn't offer the mandated sacrifices that were required of uh, of Jewish men uh, at the the festivals and feast days that they had. Um, by my way of thinking, um, there were there were three major feasts that observant Jews uh, would be a part of. Um, the sacrifice of, of Passover was a big one, and uh, and and in fact, Passover. Um, is really where we believe the Last Supper was taking place, and uh, right. sacrifices were taking place at that time. And we have all these uh, places, you know, you shall offer, uh, you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord in the place the Lord, um, the Lord chooses to put His name. Um, just, just different places in Scripture where we have things like that. And I think that there are some people that are so um, into not. Um, not killing animals or anything like that, that they would even be of the mind, well, there were sacrifices, but I'm sure Jesus didn't take part in them. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, it's, that would certainly be a problematic position to take because it would seem to assume that Jesus would have abstained for moral reasons, which would seem to introduce some division within the Trinity since you know, we in Scripture these sacrifices are mandated by God. So I, I think that uh, you get into some very, very problematic areas related not at all to life, uh, related to your doctrine of God, when you, if you start to go down that road. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that Jesus absolutely would have participated in those sacrifices. Um, I think that for people who would be uncomfortable with them, I think it's very much worth noting that even from the very beginning of the sacrificial system, there's a different ethic in place within the ancient Israelites than there is with the other nations. I mean, you mentioned uh, child sacrifice, and certainly that's one of the major points of the whole story of Abraham nearly sacrificing Isaac, is that God commands this, but then he commands it to be stopped at the last second. And it seems to me that that's a very strong statement that even though that cultural area child sacrifice might be considered acceptable uh, by a great many people, but there's going to be a difference between the sacrificial system of other nations and the sacrificial system of different people. Sure. I think even within the context of sacrifice, we do see a stronger ethic of life at play. Sure. Um, 
and I think the other part of it is is that yeah, sacrifice is brutal and it is painful and there is something that's horrible and gut wrenching about it. And rather than turning away from that or being appalled at it, I think we need to embrace it and understand that that was kind of the point. Mm-hmm. You know, these were atoning sacrifices for the people's sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to realize that, yeah, that is a brutal process. It, it, in a sense, you, I've talked a number of times in this episode about um, operating within God's natural order. In a sense, the whole reason why these brutal sacrifices have to take place is because humanity decided to step outside of the natural order through sin. Mm. You know, and, and there, I think that there's almost a way uh, of maybe God saying, this is what it looked like to come back. You know, you don't just get to pretend like nothing happened. You have to deal with the brutality of it. Hmm. Yeah. And and that was, you know, if you if you do follow closely in the Old Testament, it really was um, established as a way, um, as you had said before, to show how serious our sin is. And uh, there was a, a point even in the story of uh, – I wish I could remember the reference. I should have looked it up beforehand, but where Abraham um, is asked to to walk, uh, you know, literally sacrifice the goat, which is literally the scapegoat, you know, <laughs> that right. becomes – um the 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 thing that the sins are laid upon and is is asked uh you know to walk through this and um it, it's interesting because the sacrifices were almost a way of saying um death is a horrible thing and we need to be reminded of the seriousness of our sin even to the point of saying to God in covenant through making the sacrifice may this happen to me if I should walk away from you, uh, I'm I'm entering into such a serious covenant here, uh, myself, my family, my people, that um, you know, may this one animal sacrifice atone for us and and keep us on the path that we would not have to go through this. And um, it, it's it, there's a whole lot more than we probably even have time to discuss about the sacrificial system, um, but it really was not just a matter of being cruel to an animal. Um, it was actually, in fact, something that was to show us just how serious our sins are in the eyes of God. Something that uh, we take very lightly today in many ways. It's almost like, well, just a quick prayer to get rid of our sins and we're done. Let's move on. Um, and, and I don't think we see sometimes the seriousness of of what those things are in the eyes of God and uh, and how serious – ritual purity and and being made pure before the Lord is, that that it's something only He can truly do. Well, that's the end of this week's podcast, and we're going to play part two next week on the Voices in My Head podcast. We're going to be really getting into things like uh, a consistent ethic of human life. We're going to be talking about what would Jesus kill when it comes to human beings, and uh, that means the unborn, that means capital punishment, that means things like war, uh, where our allegiances should lie as Christians. So it's going to be an interesting podcast. Um, we don't agree about everything, but I love the conversation back and forth that we have. Ben's a great friend, and I really appreciate having him on the show. So listen in for the next episode for part two. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. God bless you. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. 
If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.